if your finances don't take up mental energy for you anymore, what else could you be focused on? Hi, Heather Thrivers. I'm really excited to bring you this episode with Kina Newell. She is a certified money coach, a financial coach, and we're talking adulting as our current theme and what better way to take responsibility than to change the relationship we have with our money. Now, you can find more about Kina over at her business website, Wealth Over Now. Her mission is to empower and educate professional women on the value of wealth over the present gratification of now. Through financial coaching with her clients, she transforms their relationship with money. We're talking all about how she does that in this episode because I was fascinated. I was like, how can we change our relationship with money so that we feel more empowered? Kina like legitimately has answers for that kind of thing. We cover a lot of things in this episode, including the difference between a budget and a spending plan and why that matters. How when we can take the money stress off our plates, we open ourselves up to a new sense of freedom and how it is truly possible to change our relationship to money, even if we're not swimming in the stuff. You can find Kina over at her website, as I mentioned, Wealth Over Now. Kina also leads a monthly live group coaching call for her audience called Mimosas and Money Matters, and she works with clients individually. She actually has a little podcast series called Money Files, so you can go and check that out if you enjoy this episode and want to dive in deeper. And finally, you can find her over at Instagram at Wealth Over Now. But enough about talking about Kina. Let's just get this party started. And seriously, this is a money conversation that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I would just say, if you're anything like me, don't be nervous to listen to this because she really left me feeling empowered. So here we go. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Kina, welcome to Here to Thrive. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Uh, I want to know so many things. I feel like I'm not even sure where I want to start with you. Obviously, you are a financial coach. I'm intrigued at what drew you to that path. How did you get to financial coaching? By accident. Um, <laughs> I love it. You're like, this was not the plan. It's working out okay. <laughs> Tell me more. I am like a super type A person, but I feel like God's like, hey, guess what? I have a sense of humor. Let me mess up your entire life. So I actually, to like go all the way back to college, I majored in management and finance, thought that like that's what I would do in in some type of role. But I actually ended up joining an organization called Teach for America and I became a teacher because I like have this heart that's always centered around like, how can I work with people in a way that's like purposeful? I always wanted work that was meaningful for my life and like meaningful for others. So in my own personal like money story, I came out of college with $75,000 worth of debt and I was making like $33,000 a year. And really in that place of like, how am I supposed to pay all this debt because I don't get paid enough and within education, you know, they're not really high paying jobs. And so I had to really like lay in the groundwork for myself of like, 
how I could pay off my debt, how can I save money and also still live while also being like at the time 22 and do the things that like you want to do with your friends. And my own like personal journey with my finances evolved into me talking about money with my friends. They joke to this day that if you talk to Kina in any given conversation, we're going to be talking about money because I'll find some way to bring it up. And I've helped my friends budget off and on. And fast forward a decade or so, I was still within education and I was having a conversation with my financial advisor. And we were talking about like people within the millennial age, I would say like late 20s to early 40s that just don't have money saved. And so he was asking me like how I did it. And I was like, you know, through budgeting how you're supposed to manage your money. And I became really curious because I wanted to help other people do what I'd done. Like if you can manage your finances, your day-to-day finances, then you ultimately have more money to contribute towards your retirement. And so I started looking for like other career paths. I knew I didn't want to be a financial advisor because I didn't want to work on the investing side. But really, what really intrigued me in my role then at the time was like a vice principal is I enjoyed coaching teachers. And I was like, oh, I could like coach people around money. I wonder if that's a job. And I stumbled upon financial coaching. I love it. I wonder if that is a job. Like, and all the way back to college where you've obviously always had this interest in finance because you majored in it. But then you want to be and purposeful work, the marriage couldn't be more perfect. Oh, yeah. I, I, t- I tell people I'm like, it's a perfect interse- like intersection of my passion and my purpose. Because I think on the outside for anyone who doesn't know what like a financial coach is or what I do is like, they're like, Oh, you're gonna like help me make a budget. And I'm like, Yeah, but that's like, I don't know, 5% of the work. Because what we're really going to do is work on like the emotional side of money and the mindset behind how you think, how you feel, how you relate to your finances. And that's where everything can change for you. Because the people that I've worked with before working with me, they were on in that cycle of like, I don't want to look at my numbers. I've tried this before. It's never worked. I have to be disciplined. I can't be disciplined. And on the flip side, now my clients, I actually, I have a Money Files podcast and one of my clients was like, yeah, and now I'm just disciplined and committed. And so like, that's the change that I love to hear people talking about. And just even when everything isn't seemingly perfect with how you managing how you manage your finances, like, oh, you went over in groceries or you bought that shirt that you didn't save for, like those aren't the things that are getting my clients off track because they know how to manage their emotions and their mind when it comes to managing their finances. So Kina, you were talking about being 22, coming out making $33,000, having this debt, which I'm thinking so many of us are like, oh yeah, uh, I, I hear ya. Were you just born responsible? Because at 22, I was not thinking about how to get a grip on this. I was like, let me put my head in the sand and uh, I'll think about that when I'm 40 something. <laughs> I think it's probably because I'm a, I like to be in control. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think like that's how it, how it manifested And for me, budgeting was like, it was like a puzzle that I could solve, right? Like if I do this, then this could be my outcome. And so I could put the pieces together. I also just knew what kind of life I wanted to live. And I might be a rare breed, but yeah, I I guess I just kind of came out the womb that way because I actually have two older brothers and we manage money completely differently. Like if you looked at us at 22 all very different stories. I'm hearing you talk a little bit about this money mindset. So I take that as the relationship we have with our money, which mine is a head in the sand relationship. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gathering that I mentioned to you, we're talking about adulting on the podcast this month, my head in the sand approach, I don't think really goes with the whole responsible money management thing. So Mm -hmm. how do we change our relationship with money? Obviously, you do this through coaching with your clients, but is it a shift? It is a shift. Even hearing you say like responsible money management, like that sounds very stiff 
<laughs> and I think that that's like how we talk to ourselves about our finances, right? Like we talk to ourselves in like, imagine like that, like corporate kind of picture. And so it becomes something that's like not approachable. And even when I hear clients or anyone that I'm talking to and they're like, I need a budget. I'm like, okay, how does that make you feel when you say I need a budget or I've never been good with money. And so it's being really mindful of the language that we use around our finances and about our finances. And it's choosing to identify like intentional thoughts that will move you forward. Is this kind of along the lines of we can fall in love with our money? Or is that you a, can definitely, is, is, yes. <laughs> I was like, or is that a bit too warm and fluffy? <laughs> no, and, and like I, I hear my clients like start to talk about like they get excited to actually like look at their budget on a week to week basis and they never had joy about their finances before we started working together. And I don't think I've ever said, I mean, maybe someone will go back in my content and look for this, but I don't think I've ever said, fall in love with your money because I'm not incredibly woo. But <laughs> but I do definitely, like one, one of the thoughts that I would offer to your listeners and that I offer to my audience as well is like, you can tell yourself I'm good at managing my finances and still be in debt and trying to figure out how to save money mm. because you're choosing that intentional thought. So now it's like, now let me build my case for I'm good at managing money. Maybe today you chose to like cook at home instead of eating out. Maybe today you chose to go to the mailbox and, you know, actually open it up because you've been avoiding it. Or today you chose to look at your bank account or you chose to call about a bill that, you know, has been looming over your head. It's those little things that make you good at managing your finances. And I think that our culture suggests that you're only good at managing your finances if you're on track for retirement, if you have a three to six months emergency fund. There's like, they're like these huge attainable goals that people don't see as being realistic for themselves. So you have to be able to take into account what's happening for you right now and how are you showing yourself that you're good at money that you're good at managing your finances. I think that's a really important point because like you're saying, there's these huge unattainable goals that when you are young, one, seems so far away and two, do seem outrageous. And so it's very easy to kind of throw your hands up in the air and be like, well, screw it. I just, I'm just going to ignore it. But what I'm hearing you say is, you can change the definition of success and kind of bring those goals down and make them more manageable and meaningful for you. Yeah, because I love the book Atomic Habits and he talks about like the summation of habits basically creates your results. And so, right, like if you're the person that has your head in the sand and you don't want to open up your bank account, well, you start opening up your bank account. Then you may get curious and say like, I wonder if I could be saving a little bit more money. And then because you got curious about that, you have your first $1,000 saved. And now you're like, oh, this actually really works. And so you become that person that you've started to tell yourself about. And instead of like your goal being that you need a budget in the very beginning, you now have a bigger goal because like that was really just your starting point and your baseline. And now you're getting, now you get to evolve and maybe you're thinking about like, oh, I actually want to buy a home. Or I want to max out my retirement. So I see it just as like this snowball effect. Uh, if you can really shift your your money mindset and how you think and feel about your finances. Oh, I could talk to you all day about Atomic Habits. People, if you have not read that book yet, you absolutely should get it. And uh, Kina, I don't know if you're signed up for his newsletter, but it's one of the only newsletters I like on the internet too. Oh, it's so simple and clean. And you're like, oh, I can use that. Yeah, yeah, I can use that. <laughs> okay, you're talking about that word budgeting. Like, mm -hmm. look at me, even when I say it, I'm like, Ugh. what does it mean to you? And do we need to be afraid of budgets? Because I think budget and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to sign up to work with someone like Kina and she's going to tell me I'm not allowed to buy a latte anymore because it's not in my budget. 
and that makes me feel sad. So can we talk a little bit more about budget, how it can work for us? Because I'm hearing you say that sometimes it's about just getting the momentum going, whereas budget feels scary to me. Yeah. So I I always want my clients to operate from like this sense of curiosity. I think that that serves you a lot better. And I actually don't use the word budget with my clients. I use the word spending plan. Oh, I like it. See, way yeah, less scary. <laughs> it's a different, you're like, oh, this is my plan to spend my money. And I do that because I like want people to approach the conversation with curiosity. Like, how can I be using my money to do the things that I desire? Right. And what your desires can look different. Everybody's desires are going to look different, but you're going to be able to identify, okay, I want to be saving $200 a month. I do want lattes, right? Like, let me factor that in. And so you can actually make a plan. I have a joke with one of my clients because she has Botox in her spending plan. Love it. And so what, what I think like having a spending plan allows you to do is actually have more freedom and flexibility because you actually know where your finances are going from month to month and you you move beyond that stress. So right now you have a false sense of freedom that you don't look at your numbers. And so you're like, I can do what I want because I'm not looking at my numbers. <laughs> and that's the very thing that's also holding you back from obtaining your goals or even like going back to the stress piece because stress is real when it comes to people managing their finances and it, it can be prohibiting you from like sleeping at night or one of the things that one of the like SEO people that I work with, they're like, what are your people shame Googling at night at two and three in the morning, trying to figure out how can I pay off my credit card? Will I ever be able to retire? So when you actually start with like a solid spending plan, it's going to be able to drive your progress. And I also think that when you get your finances in order, you welcome more money into your life. Isn't it amazing just the shift from calling it a budget to a spending plan? Because that makes me feel enthused and inspired. And <laughs> it also, when you talk about that false sense of freedom, when we're talking about a spending plan and say wanting a latte or Botox, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't personally have Botox, but you know, I'd want nails in there because I do like to have nice nails. Yeah. Uh, but when we talk about that, it's almost like... I immediately feel that some of the guilt that you might have from doing these kind of things for yourself goes away if you've made a plan for it. Mm -hmm. And you also like, you just get so much more agency. You get to be in control. And at the end of the day, it comes down to you. You have the freedom to make choices. So, I mean, any of my clients would tell you that I provide them a plan that allows them to be really flexible. So like you were just mentioning, Kate, that you want to go get your nails done. So you would go get your nails done, but then maybe you also want to go to brunch three times this month or whatever it looks like. And so you get to like look at this spending plan that I will tell you, it's not just something you create once and then just tuck it away, but you're actually um, adjusting it each week. So you know like where you are in relation to your goals, but you can make that decision of like, do I want to choose to spend money on three brunches or would I rather wait because there's another opportunity that I want to take advantage of more? So you, like I said, get to make, you move from being like impulsive to intentional with your spending. I was just going to use that word intentional, which is one of my favorites when I talk about how we can live a good life. And so much of how we can live a good life is really comes down to intentionality and being conscious about the choices that we're making. And obviously talking to you, this is just an extension of that that moves into money and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated, Kina, for a subject that I'm kind of like, oh, money. Now I'm like, oh, money. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I want to make money fun and joy filled because, like, I think about the work that I've done with my clients and, like, yes, we start with the budget, right? And then I'm like, okay, I'm getting really curious. How much more money would you like to actually make at work, right? And so if you earned more, what would you use that for? And so it, especially like when you think about women and the gender pay gap and just like, then they start to be really like curious about 
their jobs and we start talking about, okay, well, when's your next performance review? What kind of conversation do you want to tee up? So you can go from making, you know, 60K to 80K or do you actually want to change jobs because you see that that would be more beneficial? But their numbers, I think, inspire them to show up in different ways that they wouldn't have shown up for themselves because like, it's just like you have a a new sense of confidence and I'll use that word agency again. You've also talked about the relationship between money and stress. And in truth, I do a lot of work in the stress space. It's one of my great passions. And the reality is that so many of us are lying in bed at night and financial security and financial stress is one of the most overwhelming stresses for most people. And so I see our financial well-being is massively contributing to our overall well-being. I, mm-hmm. ass- I assume you see it in a similar lens, that this is like a foundation stone for our overall well-being. Oh, definitely. I mean, money touches so many different aspects of your life and how you choose to show up. Like I immediately what comes to mind is like how people show up. I work with a lot of women that are like dating And they don't want to get in a relationship because they don't feel like they measure up. And it's their finances that are prohibiting them from feeling like they can go confidently into a relationship. Or when I've worked with like married couples, I just finished working with a couple and I was asking them, what's one of the things our work together has helped you with? And they were talking about, well, now we don't have anything to fight about since we're on the same page with our finances. It's all of those things. And so if your finances don't take up mental energy for you anymore, what else could you be focused on? Oh, that is so good. If your finances are not draining your mental energy, where can you put that energy? Yeah. Oh. And it's the gift, like the work that I do with clients, I tell them all the time, this is a gift that will continue to keep on giving. Earlier when I was saying, thinking about purpose, like I work with my clients uh, for like a five month partnership but they have the skill set for the rest of their lives. And so they can teach their friends, they can teach family members, they are going into a partnership, they can actually feel confident in that conversation. If they have kids, like, it's just like, there's no, there's, the results I think are endless to the work that I do. And yeah, that I, I get really excited about that part of my work. Because I've actually, this past year, I've actually worked with a lot of divorced women. And being able to see like a woman who's going through a divorce, whether she has kids or not, being able to rebuild and see herself in a different light because she got her finances in order is just really inspiring. And and I want to create more of that in the world. Or even I have another client who she, she and I started working together maybe about seven months ago. And she's like been wanting to leave her job. But of course, you can't leave your job if you have debt and no savings. And we've been able to work on like building her savings, but she also has a business on the side. And so we've been able to talk about her business finances as well. And so now like the trajectory to leave her job is this summer. So just like thinking about, like I said, we start with a budget, but really there's so many more opportunities that come out of the work that I do. I'm really fascinated because obviously I'm a coach, right? This is this mm-hmm. is my area of work. Yet until I've spoken to you, Kina, I've kind of been like financial coaches. Yeah, well, and what do they even do? And I've, <laughs> I feel like I finally have some really great clarity. Well, I'm glad. And I, I can't say what all of us do, but <laughs> I know that that's like what I, what I want as in terms of like results for my clients is like, I want, I want their lives to be better as a result of working with me. Mm. I want to touch on, you mentioned that the work you do with your clients, it impacts their lives and potentially their families. And I just think of the power of intergenerational change when you talk Mm -hmm. about that. Some of us may have come from a background where we didn't learn these skills from our parents, that Mm -hmm. perhaps our parents were 
just making ends meet or even struggling to make ends meet and we didn't get a good picture of what it's like to feel this sense of financial security or even financial competence if you like and I'm just thinking of the power that you have to be someone in your own family to sort of go okay, so I didn't get these skills, but that doesn't mean that I can't learn now and the power that that can give people as they move forward. Yeah, I think one, like give yourself grace for not knowing because finances aren't taught. And one of the things I actually like to do a lot is invite people to have money conversations, which I feel like people would rather tell you how many people they slept with last week (laughs) than talk about money. But I want more people to be having financial conversations because it's not just about like how much money you make or how much debt are you in. You can have a conversation about, hey, what was your first money memory as a kid? Or what's something that you would have told yourself in your 20s that you wish you had known in your 30s? Or, oh, you bought a house. Can you like walk me through that process? Or you're going through and you're refinancing your mortgage, like those are just all entry points into money conversations. And I think that when we have more money conversations, it normalizes the fact that we're really all in this together and we're learning together. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. I wish that they had taught us sort of like a life skills class. When it comes to adulting, I'm like, why are we not learning about money in high school? Mm Mm-hmm. Seriously. In terms of COVID, obviously there are so many people right now that have felt the financial sting of what has been an incredibly chaotic year. I mean, Mm -hmm. women having to reduce their hours or pull out of the, the workforce, and I'm not saying it's only women, but the statistics are suggesting that women have been impacted more in terms of pulling out of the workforce to take care of children, Uh, people losing their jobs uh, across many industries. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked when this sort of all started to happen. It was very clear very quickly just how much of this country is living paycheck to paycheck. And How do we get out of that? Is it something that we can, with intention and forethought, kind of claw our way out of? Yeah, and I don't even think you need to claw, because see, there's the end. There's those aggressive words. Yeah, see, this is like my own money mindset. Kate is all (laughs) over me. She's like, Kate, we're going to work on this money mindset. Yeah, I'm like, you want me to claw? I'm interested. (laughs) So it doesn't have to be brutal to get our way out of it. And it's, I think, like the hardest part is getting started. That's that's the hardest part. And I would say like for someone who's looking to get out of that paycheck to paycheck cycle is you have to know what your numbers are. So start with a spending plan. How much are you spending on your, you know, your mortgage, your rent? Do you have a car? Um, you have different subscriptions. Like you want to get all of those things on paper so you can see what is your starting point. And and most of the time the people I work with, they're like, oh, Kina, it's not even as bad as I thought, right? Because you've like built it up to be this, I don't know, monster in your head. But from there, you can, well, one, for people that have lost their jobs, if you have a spending plan, you're able to identify like, what are your essential expenses? What do I need to live? And you can kind of get to that like bare bones. You want to make sure your lights are on. You want to make sure the mortgage is there. It lets you know what the gap is. And and even more so helps you, I think, feel in control. Because if you are getting any type of assistance or you are able to secure some, some new level of work, you know what that minimum number is instead of just basing it off of like what you used to make or what you hope to make. But being able to, once again, make a like an, an intentional decision about that. And then in terms of getting out of that paycheck to paycheck cycle, when you know your, your numbers, you're going to be able to plan for the things that are expected and unexpected. And my goal was to always get my clients to a point where they're paying this month's bills with last month's paycheck. So we're in February right now. If I had February bills, I would want to be paying that with January's paychecks. And that comes from managing your spending plan from week to week, which is actually, Kate, a lot harder for me to kind of like 
describe <laughs> via <laughs> via just words right now, but but my every single paycheck, I know exactly where my money is going. So like my mortgage is $2,200. And I, out of every single paycheck, I set aside $1,100. And so when it's time for my mortgage to be due, the two paychecks prior are already ready for the mortgage that is in front of me at the first of the month. Makes sense. I, I'm so convinced that practically every human in the world needs a Kina in their lives now at this point. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm Okay, so coming back to, you mentioned, that was so brilliant. You mentioned that your SEO guy said to you, what are people shame Googling in the middle <laughs> of the night? I love it. What are people, do you think, shame Googling in the middle of the night? How to budget. Mm. How do I get off, get, get out of debt? How can I save more money? How can I raise my credit score? Mm-hmm. How much do I need to save in an emergency fund? Yeah, <laughs> I, get, I hear you. So what makes someone actually seek a financial coach out? My clients, I, they come to me because they're like tired of being bad at money. And like, that's, that's literally some of the copy that I can pull from, from people that have uh, applied to work with me. But I would say like, honestly, it's like they're, they're fed up with their, how they currently feel when it comes to their finances. Uh, usually what's sparking that is some type of life change. So whether it's like, I'm getting ready to turn 30 and I think I should be doing something more with my money. Or I'm in my mid-30s. I think I should be a better adult than I am right now. <laughs> um, or like, uh, you know, I'm actually, I'm dating someone and it's getting really serious. I want to get my numbers cleaned up before. Or I told you that I've worked with a couple of women that have recently gotten a divorce. I've also had some women that I've worked with that have filed bankruptcy within the last year to two years. And they're, I mean, it's it's all about, I would say like, freeing themselves from fear, guilt, shame, and overwhelm. And I actually, I feel like I've been talking about personal finances on this side, but I actually work with business owners as well, specifically solopreneurs. And, and it's, it sounds like it's drastically different, but it's not. People that are on the business side that are coming to me is like, they have this fear of numbers and they tell me I've never been good with math. And I tell them, I used to be a math teacher that you're not allowed to say that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, it's helping, like, I want money to be easy for people and it's helping them understand that it can be easy and you can operate from a place of abundance instead of lack and scarcity. And I can show you how. Talking about your own journey, you obviously transitioned yourself, right? From being a full-time employee in education through Mm -hmm. to now being a full-time financial coach. I Mm -hmm. assume that the skills that you apply to the people you work with are the very skills you apply to your own life to do that? Very much so. And because I really want to make sure every number is right. Yeah. I'm, I'm running numbers all the time. Like when I left my job, I actually just quit another full-time job maybe three weeks ago. And Very cool. So you had thing, two full-time jobs, Kina. You yeah. Like, and, so you like scaled up because yes. I talk about this with my clients, right? When they are going out on a journey to entrepreneurship or solopreneurship, I'm not a believer in that you should jump off a cliff. I'm yes. not a believer in that you should have this dream and then be like, yay, I'm going to fly off the edge of the cliff and something will catch me. I'm like, can yeah. you get a better plan than that? So what I'm, <laughs> what I'm hearing is that you did not jump off any cliffs. You had a solid plan. Well, I jumped off a cliff in the beginning. So in 2018, I left my job and I just decided I wasn't going back. And that was like June of 2018. And I started a website, like started my company in July of 2018. And I just basically sat and waited for clients. Um, (laughs) (laughs) How did that go, by the way? And I was like, I have an emergency fund. Um, Someone paid me $40 like two months later. (laughs) (laughs) I sat there, I had a really pretty website and I sat there and just waited for people to come knocking. (laughs) I don't even think the website was pretty. That was the sad part. So yeah, I did jump off of a cliff, but I did have a safety net in the sense that I like had an emergency fund. I was like, well, this is clearly an emergency. I'm out of of work. 
Um, and, and at that time I was like doing, because I was in education, I was doing some consulting as well. And then probably it was about a year later, I, I took on another full-time role, role to actually do leadership coaching. And, um, it gave me flexibility in addition to one of the things that like I really wanted was to be able to contribute to retirement. So I had both simultaneously for about a year and a half, but like the goal was always like to build a runway for myself to leave that my business, like I would have an, a business emergency fund separate from my personal emergency fund that could pay me for at least three months if I make no more income in my business. But then also being able to work the numbers, like I told you, retirement was near and dear to my heart, but creating a plan and a strategy to make sure that I could invest in my own retirement, in addition to like pay my health care and not that stuff coming out of my savings, but for my business to be able to do those things. This is a little bit of a side note, but what changed between you making $40 and where you're at now? Because I know you're a successful financial coach. So what shifted and changed in that period? I would say like the best investments I've made in my business were coaching. I like wholeheartedly believe in coaching. And so I've worked with a couple of different coaches for different things, but I would attribute my number one shift in my business is working on my mindset. Mm. So you, you did change through working on your mindset. I assume that you stopped just waiting for people to knock down your website doors. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, but I was only waiting back then because I didn't know what else you were supposed to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm like, do you boost an ad on Instagram? Is that how you get people? The mindset piece was more so like, working on like my belief in myself, my belief in my service and being able to be more confident in how I talked about those things with people that I met and being able to like have clarity around what I do as a coach. So I think that's where mindset came in. In addition to like, I raised my prices, you know, did some of those other things that, that you should also do. But yeah, uh, it was all definitely mindset work. And I will say, Kina, your website is beautiful now. So just all, yeah. all people should go look at Kina's website because I have like <laughs> website envy. I'm like, oh, I think you have one of the nicest websites I've seen on the internet, Kina. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I, I like wanted people when they land on my website, I wanted them to know that like I can help them. I wanted them to feel very comfortable and have like a calming presence about the fact that you're reaching out to ask for help because I, I don't take it lightly that people reach out to me and ask for help. Like I know that that's a huge step. And so, yeah, I, I wanted people to feel comfortable. And I, the girl that did my website, I think she did a phenomenal job at, at conveying that, that vision that I had and how I wanted to make clients feel. For sure. Like you said, people would rather talk about sex than money. So it's got to be approachable. I yes. think you said it, you certainly managed that. Speaking of like diving a little deeper with people, Kina, I ask all of my guests some just really nosy questions because why not? Okay. <laughs> Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning. Tell me more. Always been a morning person? I don't know if always goes in there or not, but I really, so unfortunately I've been up since about 3.30 this morning because I couldn't sleep. And once I wake up, you know, if anybody knows about like REM cycles, it's just my body is like, no, I have the most energy in the morning to do the things that I like want. Like my brain is fresh at night. My brain is like tainted with all the worries of the day. So, but I'm just making sure you didn't wake up at 3.30 a.m. with like money panic, right? No, 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 not not any money panic. I was like laying there hold it, holding my eyes real tight trying to go back to sleep. <laughs> I even listened to a sleep meditation and my body was like, nope. <laughs> I love it. As long as it wasn't like the money sweats, then I'm like, that's good, right? Because Keena's not stressing about money anymore, people. Not, not at all. I got up, I worked out read a little bit. So yeah, I, I feel like I've conquered the entire day. I've been up for eight hours already. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're, we're, we're connecting in the morning people. So Keena's already <laughs> lived a whole day. Uh, <laughs> what is on your bedside table at the moment? Moment You were probably staring at it last night at 3.30 a.m. 
Oh, there's a container of pins because uh, I really like pins. And there's some flowers. Oh, very yeah. nice. Fresh flowers? Yes. Ah, see, so the, when I have when I have contemplated budgets slash spending plans in the past, fresh flowers are always in there for me. I just buy myself a little bunch every week because, yeah. oh my gosh, the way it makes me feel and how it brightens up my home. Oh. It's amazing. It's like, a, I think it's a must have. One of the gifts I gave myself this year was to do a biweekly subscription. And oh, so- I'm like, yep, this will be my treat for myself. <laughs> yeah, so you have the fancy flowers. I have like the supermarket ones, but. <laughs> but those, I don't, yeah, here in DC, there's a store called Trader Joe's and they're like $4 little bouquets are amazing. So I support it. Do you know that this is, again, off on a tangent, but I have never been into Trader Joe's. So I have lived in the States for eight years and I drive past one daily now on the way to my kid's school. I really need to go into Trader Joe's because people always speak so highly of it. It's the most amazing place. Oh, there's literally lines outside the one in Minnesota when I go past all the time. Yeah. And I think it's like a requirement that you have to be nice to work there. Oh, because I don't think I've ever been in a Trader Joe's where there's terrible customer service ever. Now, the people shopping there may not be very nice. But people <laughs> <working there are> nice. <laughs> I'm just going to have to go check them out now just for their uh, flowers. I'm going to go. Oh, their flowers are amazing. Yes, please head to your local Trader Joe's. <laughs> Everyone, head to your local Trader Joe's. <laughs> what is your favorite self-care activity, Kina? Oh, I probably should do more self-care. If we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I would tell you going to get massages. And my cop out would be like working out, even though it takes me a lot of like struggle in my head to get myself to do it. But I feel like it's, it definitely always puts me in a better mood. And I just, I know that like I am taking care of me by doing that. Do you have a book that has touched you at an important point in your life? So one of the the books that I read when I was going into entrepreneurship was Dream Year. Cool. And then the other, the other book is escaping me. I think it was called like Design Your Life or Designing Your Life. I actually didn't read the whole thing. I cheated and um, listened to like the TED Talk and got like a Blinkist kind of summary. But it overlapped with Dream Year and it helped me get really clear in a point in my life where I was trying to figure out back to your adulting kind of topic, like, what do I want to do next? And that's really the thing I think that sparked me to to bet on myself and start my own business. I'm going to have to check out Dream Year. And do you know what's hilarious is on my desk right now is the other book you're referring to. It's called Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived, Joyful Life. Yeah. Dream Year. Okay. On my list, what is a life lesson that took you a good long while to learn? Oh, man. I know. I didn't say they were easy, Kina. I know. I think, I, like, I feel like it's the thing that your mom tells you as a child, like, you're enough. But in your 20s, like, you're seemingly trying to still figure yourself out. So if I could, like, go back and tell the younger version of myself is like, you're enough. Everything's going to work out and not to be like looking for whatever it is that you think you need at at 25 or 24, because you think you're getting older and life is going to end without you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. How true is that? Do you know, I can remember watching something where Oprah said that that's the one common theme that she has seen over all of her years of interviewing and doing what she does is that there's this universal desire to know that we are enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is one thing in your day that you can't do without? Coffee, hands down. I've already had to. If I have yeah. any more, then I start bouncing off the walls. <laughs> I will say after a certain time in the morning, I don't want it anymore. Like if it's past 10 o'clock, then I'm over it. But it is the thing, like, when I go to bed at night, I get excited. Like, you know how you tell little kids, like, if you go to sleep in the morning, then, like, when you get up in the morning, there'll be this, this, and this. 
So that for myself would be like, when you go to sleep right now, you get to wake up and have coffee. <laughs> that is so good. And I understand because I do, I do a morning gratitude list, uh, Kina, uh-huh. and quite frequently on my gratitude list is my morning coffee. Oh, gosh. It's like... It is just the best thing ever. And I am a coffee snob. And so like I have my French press and all I need, like you can keep your sugar just to make sure I have half and half. And I am happy, very happy. It's definitely, I love it. I I love that picture of like a little kid going to sleep going, in the morning, you can have coffee. (laughs) How would you describe the soul, Kena? Explain a little bit more when you when you say soul, what do you mean? Well, I think it means different things to different people. So mm-hmm. if you were considering soul, just the concept of soul, what mm-hmm. does it mean to you? I think for me, when you say soul, I think about like connection to my faith. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah. And so it's the soul part of you that has the connection to your faith? I think so. <laughs> You're like, pretty sure. Pretty sure that's that's what's happening there. So perfect. Kina, yeah. what does fulfillment mean to you? For some reason, the two words come to my mind. Contentment and calm. Like a like a peace. Because I feel like, like when you have fulfillment, like those are the those are the things that like I picture. Um and I grew up like I would definitely say it shaped is shaped my money story for sure. But grew up in a household where we were taught to be like very thankful for what we have and not necessarily always pushing for this drive to like want more. And I will say like being an American, right? Like there's all these things. Like I think about all the clutter in my house and I'm like, why do I have all this stuff? And so just being able to have that fulfillment in not necessarily with like material things but being able to be fulfilled with like memories and experiences and relationships like yeah being grateful Mm, I love those two words by the way content and calm love them well that's enough of the interrogation I'll go back on topic for you (laughs) Kina wrapping things up when it comes to taking care of ourselves and our money what are a couple of actionable tips that you would tell people to start with I would say like commit just even if you commit to 10 minutes a week looking at your numbers Like, you know what you need to look at, whether it's how much money is in my bank account, how much money did I spend this past month or this past week, what's coming up for me next week. And that 10 minutes, hopefully evolving for you and being able to sit down and like creating a spending plan. And then that spending plan becoming the thing that drives your decision making about how you desire to be intentional versus impulsive. Mm, eyes on your money people get that yeah. get the snowball moving right <laughs> yeah just and, and adopt like a thought that serves you like this can be easy this can be fun this is going to serve my future self whatever it is that is maybe you need to find a feeling first like how do you want to feel about your finances and then think about what do I need to think if I actually want to feel that way If you could leave us with one thought today, Kina, what would it be? Oh, I'm still going back to get a spending plan. (laughs) Get a spending plan, people. Get a spending plan. I really am getting that, though. And I feel, having had this conversation with you, Kina, I feel more confident about the idea that that is not scary and that that's actually a path to freedom. Mm -hmm. And it is. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm sure you can feel my enthusiasm and excitement through that podcast episode. I mean, now I feel like I have a good understanding what a money coach does and why on earth she is a godsend. I can see it now. I can see it. Honestly, after having this conversation with Kina, I have caught myself in my unhelpful habits of not wanting to look at my numbers. And I've reminded myself that it's actually empowering to do so. 
Just before I recorded this outro, I went and cleaned up my QuickBooks and made sure everything was appropriately categorized and got my profit and loss and was very happy for the start of the year. So just like Kina said, there is power in knowing where we're at with our money. So I'm, I'm converted. After that episode, I'm converted. Now, if you want to go and track Kina down, you can find her at wealthovernow.com. She is also wealthovernow on Instagram. She has her podcast series, which is some conversations about money. So check that out on Apple or where you listen. It's called Money Files with Kina Newell. And I think I mentioned it in the introduction, but she works with clients in a one-on-one capacity, or she also leads a monthly live group coaching call for her audience called Mimosas and Money Matters. So those were our two episodes on adulting. Next, we're moving to connection and talking about how we can show up for both ourselves and connect in a warmer and more authentic way with the people in our lives. So next week, another episode drops with me talking through a few pointers, thoughts, and tips before I have Johnny Zubak from The Art of Charm coming to join me later in the month. If you're not already aware, Here to Thrive has a new website home, heretothrive.com, and I'm releasing just a once a month resource newsletter. I like to call it a resource because I'm putting in like freebie usable tools in every single one. Come and sign up for that if you have not yet over at heretothrive.com. I also wanted to give a little shout out for the Here to Thrive community on Facebook. Now, I'm a bit tardy because I did take myself off Facebook because, you know, sanity people and all of that. But the Here to Thrive community on Facebook, the group, it was actually there before I started the podcast. And I always envisioned it as a community. But, you know, with Facebook groups, they can get a bit like meh. And... I was so thrilled to see a couple of streams of conversation between Here to Thrive listeners and there over the last few weeks. So that's what I want it to be for. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I will chime in. But I really would love that this group of listeners connect and use that space amongst yourselves. Now, not for promotion. Like if you promote something in there, I'm going to like scrap it out as fast as you can put it up. But for connecting with one another okay so please go over to here to thrive in facebook groups i think yeah just just search here to thrive it should come up and i will let you in all right beautiful people the the year is off with a hiss and a roar i'm sure you can still tell i'm excited four podcast episodes this month of february bring it on new web home like, woohoo, people, we are kicking ass and taking names over here. I hope you're feeling enthused, inspired, excited. And before we come back again next week, just keep thriving. Keep thriving, beautiful people. Keep thriving. <laughs>